listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Hanging out with you here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app on Sunday morning. Hope you're enjoying. Weather's fabulous outside right now. Not too hot just yet. Going to warm up a little bit later in the day. But right now, it's a perfect opportunity to get out and about, do a little bit of walking. Take advantage of the beautiful weather right now. Bri, no rain in the uh, forecast for today. So good stuff there. Uh, And we are now just a... uh, couple days away from the Bears players reporting to training camp first practice Wednesday morning and gives us a perfect opportunity opportunity excuse me to dive in deep to the extensive profile that Dan Weeder did in the Chicago Tribune love Dan's work does a great job uh covering the Bears for the Tribune, covered the Bears for us for a long time here on ESPN 1000 as well, have a good relationship with Dan. He gives me my, a lot of Bears information, and I give him a lot of fantasy football advice during the season. So always love diving into his profiles here. And this one was extensive. I joked with you. I said, if you have an hour or three to kill, right, <laughs> go ahead and uh, check this out. Because, like, the, this, is, this is, you know, you're going to have to set aside a little bit of time. But Dan did great work, really giving people some insight into the type of person that Kevin Warren is, the new team president of the Bears. And clearly he is decorated and highly successful in everything he's done. You wouldn't have this position if you weren't. But what is great about this is it kind of shows you why he is the person he is. You know, the, you know in particular, the 1440 principle that Kevin Warren lives his life by, and that, of course, is a reference to 1,440 minutes in a day. The reason he has adopted that principle is because as an 11-year-old, we've heard about this, but you know, uh, Dan does a great job really detailing it extensively. As a child, an 11-year-old, he was riding his bike, and in his neighborhood, he was hit by a car, and it really you know, put him in a, 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 a terrible spot where he was you know, bedridden in a hospital, for months on end, not, not really sure what type of life he would lead going forward. And he prayed every day, you know, hoping for an opportunity to, you know, walk again and to play sports again. And he, if he got that opportunity, he was going to make, you know, take advantage of every moment he had. And so that is uh, the 1440 principle for 1,440 minutes in a day. Kevin Warren tries to make sure that he takes advantage of every possible, squeeze every moment of life out of every minute he can. And, you know, I think uh, that's part of the reason he has been so successful, um, his life being shaped in that, you know, at, from that formative experience in his very early years. Yeah, and in, in the piece you find out uh, a lot about the man and the, uh, his approach to life, like you said, and, and his approach to his job, whether it was with the uh, Vikings or at the Big Ten or now with the Bears. He, he said he always wakes up wanting that day to, to have like more things he could possibly do than the time will allow him to do. And that said, he's up before the alarm that, that he sets at 440 in the morning and out the door and at Hallis Hall. So, you know, the old first one in, last one out of the building. It, it's great to know that he has that energy. And uh, Dan did such an extensive piece, you know, kind of gave uh, Kevin Warren the cap treatment. Because remember, Dan did the <laughs> yes. big profile on our guy Cap. 
who also got up, if I remember right, he either worked out twice before 4 a.m. or got his car washed twice before 4 a.m. There was a lot of cap there uh, because he's a very interesting guy as well. But going in and and talking and just kind of this top-down management style and setting an example, but to want to interview every single employee full-time or part-time and get to know through their eyes and, and their words, what, what they do and what they could do better and how they, he could make them do their jobs better. He, he starts with three different questions. Uh, one, if you and your family own the Bears, what would you do to build the best NFL franchise on and off the field? Which is interesting because uh, Dan points out all the different employees uh, like Michelle uh, Burke, hyphen McCaskey. Well, they do own the the, the, the Bears. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I, I assume he asked even the hyphen McCaskies or the flat-out McCaskies. She's in uh, customer service, uh, head of customer service in the ticket offices, which, by the way, George McCaskey used to be that. Yes. Uh, that used to be his role before he uh, assumed the chairman's role. Um, so why limit it to the Bears? If you or your family owned the Bears, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bulls certainly could use help, what would you do to build the best fill-in-the-blank franchise on and off the field? Um, the second one, what do you need to perform to, uh, your job at an exceptional level? I mean, we all can address that because whatever workplace you're in, you have thoughts and they're probably similar. The third one, if you were in my seat for one day, what is the one thing you would do? 312-332-3776. Question number one is the one that really, you know, you, you can take and run with. Yeah. What would you do to build the best possible franchise on and off the field? If you own, if you own the, the Bears, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, um, you know, Connor Bedard notwithstanding. Um, you know, we all know. If I'd win the seat, draft lottery, Brian, a generational yeah, there you draft. Go. See, that helps. Done. That helps. Or, you, you, you know, actually, Houston helps you get the number one overall pick. Yeah, um, that, that was Kyle from Chicago's uh, yeah. answer. <laughs> if, you were, if you were in the seat for one day, uh, you know, we know you give yourself a raise. If that was the one thing you were allowed to do. Um, but beyond that, what mm-hmm. would you do for the betterment of the entire organization not just yourself yeah so feel free uh chime in pick whatever team you want and we'll take your call and we'll uh, dissect what you think uh is the uh best way forward for whatever franchise in town you want to talk about in particular um you know dan's piece on kevin warren I i think my biggest takeaway is that kevin warren has high expectations you know and but above all else he has high expectations from himself. So he's not asking the people who are working for him and under him to do anything more than he's already asking from himself. And, you know, uh, it, Dan mentions that, you know, there are going to be some people who Kevin Warren's way is probably not going to be for them. Right. He's going to he's going to demand excellence from the people. But he does say uh, in the piece here that. Kevin Warren recognizes, too, you might have some very talented people who are in the wrong positions, right, doing the wrong things. That doesn't mean they won't be a part of the organization. They just might need to be, you know, moved around. The one thing, though, um, I'm encouraged by is that I think Kevin Warren is going to give Ryan Poles a great mentorship and an opportunity to succeed in the Bears organization, unlike any general manager before him has ever had. That, that, that is my one big takeaway is that I think Kevin Warren is going to provide Ryan and Poles with every possible resource and possibility for success. So for me as a Bears fan, that is really exciting. That's exactly what the Bears need in this role. And I'm hopeful that Ryan Poles can take advantage of this. Well, it, it's such an unbear-like hire 
and mm-hmm. it's refreshing because I don't know how this it wasn't probably by any grand plan, but it certainly just seemed to evolve this way. Every head coach, every GM, um, you know, for the last I don't know, 25 years, including the, the current GM and the current head coach, they're doing the job for the first time. I mean, you go back. Lovey Smith was never a head coach before, right? Good Correct. Lord, Mark yep. Tressman, uh, Phil Emery, Dave some Wonstead. of the guys who were, yeah, I mean, it, you know, the ones who flamed out or were just mediocre. And, and then my one quibble with Dan's piece is he talked about sustained mediocrity for the past 30 years. That's being generous because, as Mark Potash points out in the Sun-Times today, and Mark is a longtime Sun-Times scribe, one of my buddies, mm-hmm. and, and as cynical as I am. Um, but he gave you five reasons today of why you should be optimistic about this Bears team as they move into the season. But it wasn't – you would have a, a loved sustained mediocrity for 30 years. That's not what you got. What you got was, according to Mark, by any calculation, the Bears have been one of the NFL's 10 worst franchises over 30 seasons since the Ditka era and at Koch. Just seven playoff appearances in those 30 years, never more than two in a row. Just nine winning seasons, never more than two in a row. Just five division titles, never more than two in a row. Just four playoff victories. Altogether now, never more than two in a row. That's not mediocrity. That is terrible. And, and and real quick before you move on, Brian, I'll I'll add too, like in a league where unlike other leagues, you're set up to cycle in and out of the absolutely. playoffs from year to year. They give you know the 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 uh, the parity across the NFL is probably Pete more Rozelle, than any other sport. Pete Rozelle set this up decades ago to to make it so that and yet that parity you could. I think the number was a few years ago, and might even be higher now. Every year, like 25 to 30 percent of the teams can go from the outhouse to the penthouse. Mm-hmm. They can go from a last place team in the division to a playoff team and maybe even win something, win a conference and win, you know, whatever. And, and you know, Bears obviously haven't done that. So the idea that every time they made a, a important hire, uh, uh, whether head coach or or a GM in particular, and they were doing the job for the first time. And even Ted Phillips, God bless Ted. I mean, he was the team accountant. He got the mayor daily in the city of Chicago to renovate Soldier Field and was apparently rewarded with that by being elevated to president of the team, even though he was a bean counter by trade and by uh, academics. And then he's the guy who's now running your football operations for the next few decades Kevin Warren's done it before. He knows what it looks like. He has eyes that have been outside the building. He has fresh ideas. He's had tried and true ideas. I mean, I, you have to be optimistic that this is what it should look like. And yeah. as you said, he can mentor even Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, who, again, are doing the jobs for the first time, respectively. And, you know, back to the interviews. And again, if you want to uh, go ahead and give us your thoughts on what you would do um, to improve, you know, if you if you owned a team, what would you do to build the best possible franchise? What's the one thing you would do to answer Kevin Warren's first question when he's interviewing all his employees? Um, You know, the approach. Listen, when he goes through these half an hour, hour interviews with every single employee, it's time consuming. But uh, Kevin Warren talks about how, you know, think about how much I'm learning. If I can just, you know, glean one piece of information from every interview and chances are he 
takes more from than just one small piece. But you know, it's the worst case scenario. You take one small piece of that you can put or implement into this organization or, or find out about, right? Like he said, that's so much more valuable, um, a, a, a so much more valuable way to spend my time than to just sit back six months and try and, you know, you know, acclimate myself to the organization and then take it all in and observe. And let's be honest, there's, you know, when you're observing things, there people, he's the team president. I, there's sure. no doubt in my you mind. You see him walking down the hallway, you're going to You be, straighten up, you straighten yeah, that, you know, absolutely. if it's John McDonough, you straighten your tie because you know you have to, right? That's yep. the, but that's mm-hmm. the role of the team president when within the organization. But by doing this too, these interviews that he's conducted, he's also creating a relationship, I think, where He's giving all these people a little bit of agency and saying, listen, I, ownership, I, building yes. ownership. You know, I want to hear from you. Well, you, you might How, not think your job is all that important, but guess what? I'm the president of the team and I, I'm having you come to my office to sit down. And it's just you and me. And I want to hear what your thoughts are on these three minimum questions. And I'm sure there are follow up questions. Now, the interview with, with Staley would be interesting because my, my belief is the mascots are they don't talk. They're not allowed to talk. He just nods. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't go now? Yeah. Oh, okay. 312-332-3776. We've got a couple callers on the line who want to answer that question. We'll take your calls exactly on uh, what you would do if you owned a team in town. What would you do to build them into the best possible franchise? Give us a call. Mel and Hanley on ESPN 1000. Listen to us now live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? Miller and Hanley back on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Don't forget, Football Fest is back and better than ever. Sunday, August 27th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Hard Rock Casino in northern Indiana. We're back. As we've been for many years now, uh, tickets went on sale on Friday um, through Ticketmaster or at Hard Rock Casino, northernindiana.com. All I want to say uh, thanks to all of our supporting sponsors, Astound Broadband, Hooters, and Pick Your Parts. Uh, lots of great sponsors, and it's going to be a fabulous event, as it always is. So make sure you go ahead and uh, purchase tickets now. Going to be a fantastic event, as always. Uh, Adam Schefter, Field Yates, Big Cat, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jason McKee, and uh, all of the ESPN 1000 personalities you are used to hearing right here throughout the week. I'm Meller, along with Hanley, talking Bears with you as uh, we are your home for the Chicago Bears. Uh, the players report on Tuesday, or at least the report date is Tuesday. Lots of players I know get here early, Bry, and uh, always interesting to see. It's definitely... The coverage, I feel like, of Bears players reporting for training camp has definitely changed now that everything takes place at Lake Forest, right? They're basically all just either, if they're not living in the city, they're all just going up to Lake Forest anyway. There's no real move-in day for Yeah, there's no bourbon day. You're coming, you know, I got to bring my pillows that I'm used to, and here's my oversized TV to go in the dorm room down at... Uh, all that Nazarene and oh look, uh, there's Tariq Cohen with his three wheeler trying to yeah. take us out, going 95 miles an hour. But you know, there 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 are reasons to be optimistic again. Uh, and and Mark Potash, one of the ones obviously is that Aaron Rodgers has moved on and is in New York now. Um, the division is much more wide open, and 
Hey, you look at the over-under total wins in post in Las Vegas. The Bears sit at seven and a half wins, heavily um, favored to the over. You have to lay almost like $150 to win 100. So, you know, winning eight or nine games is not a ticket to the Super Bowl necessarily, but it sure beats losing the last 10 games of the season last year, a franchise worst. I mean, there are reasons to believe you can compete each and every week and, and at least make it interesting and, and make the season um, a kind of a foundation moving forward that there's optimism that you're getting better. And even though it might take some time, you're going to get there eventually. I'm chuckling to me to myself as you talk about Potash saying the optimism about Aaron Rodgers leaving the division. Time is a flat circle, Brian. We're, we're making the NFC North argument that we've made all season long about the AL and NL Central. It's yes. just the division's there for the taking. I don't know how good our, our team is, actually, but the the division is definitely winnable. 312-332-3776. Yeah, a long-time caller back when we were first uh, starting uh, sports talk radio in this town, mm-hmm. 1992. Uh, he was a reverend. He called in and he said, you don't have to get better. Everyone just has to get a little bit worse. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Truer words have never been spoken for uh, Chicago sports fans. A longtime Chicago sports fan, Bear fan Bob, joins us frequently. Gives us a uh, call today from Twin Lakes. Wants to chime in on the Kevin Warren question that we are asking the folks out there from Dan Weeder's piece. If you and your family own the Bears or any team in the city, if you want to uh, go in a different direction, what would you do to build the best NFL franchise on and off the field? Bobby, good Sunday morning to you, my friends. Gentlemen, good morning to you both. Anyways, I, this is a great question. You know, the more I listen to well, Warren, I like this guy. My answer to you would be this. If you want to, if I own the team, I would figure out how to put incentives on the field for players. And, and the more I thought about it, even, even people in the office, if that contributed to wins. Because when you start giving incentives like this on the field and on game day and things like that, mm-hmm. everybody gets a little piece of the pie. Everybody gets involved a little bit more and more and more. And it's kind of like the snowball effect, kind of like what we had in the military. Stuff rolls downhill. Well, the same thing here. It's just positive, and it just keeps going and going and going. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. That's what I would do. And you would see the effects of that right away. You know? Yeah. And, to your, and to your other points there about, about the, uh, uh, the Bears and, and Potash, I think they're going to be better than seven wins. If Mr. Fields learns how to throw the football, you could very easily have a 10-win team here. Maybe a little more. Those are my thoughts. Good Thanks, stuff, Robert. Bobby. Um, real quick, he, he leads us perfectly into it, so I'm going to go ahead yes. and play it. Uh, Justin Fields on the All Things Covered podcast, uh, courtesy of CBS, CBS Sports. Uh, he was teed up and asked, hey, the Bears franchise has never had a 4,000-yard passer. Can you throw for 4,000 yards, Justin Fields? The Bears have been around for 100 years. They've never had a quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards. We believe you're going to be in Chicago for a long, long time. Will you break that record? I will. Ah, Plan on doing it this year, too. Plan on doing it this year. All right. He's been boastful. Uh, Not He doesn't come out and say it directly. You need to ask him a question. But when you do ask him a direct question, Justin Fields will give you a direct uh, answer. Generally, Dripping with confidence, Spry. He's confident yeah, he's going to throw for 4,000 yards this year. Which, you know, the nine quarterbacks in the league threw for more than 4,000 yards last year. 
And we know that he can run, and we know that uh, he had more than 1,100 running yards uh, last last season. But we know that he was at the bottom of every passing um, category, statistic-wise, mm-hmm. and, and that certainly needs to be better. But he has 4,112 yards in his career passing so far, and it's only you know a couple of years into his career. We get that. So the confidence is great, and with DJ Moore, uh, you know, hopefully he has a legit target to, to go up and get the ball when the, when he needs a little help from the receiving end of it. But I, I, I love a lot of players won't put personal goals out there, but mm-hmm. he was asked, and he didn't even hesitate. Yeah, I'm going to do it this year. That'd yeah. be wonderful. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical. I need to see a lot more improvement on the field from him as a passer. The playmaking ability is undeniable, right? Those splash plays that we see from him almost every Sunday, you know, and a lot of them coming from his legs, right? Like, he, I'll, I'll give you one more piece here. He was asked, all right, how about the, who are the, uh, the best running quarterbacks in NFL history on that very same All Things Covered podcast? And this was Justin's answer. Being a historian of the game, watching the game, mm-hmm. if you had to rank your top five quarterbacks in regards to running. In regards to running? Yeah. Right. And you can throw yourself in the list, too. Oh, I am. Because I definitely think I am. Uh, okay, so start with Justin. He's in the top five. I'm running definitely in the top five, no order. But yep. I got to go with my boy Mike Vick. Yep. Um, got to go with Cam. Uh, Lamar, of course. Yeah. Me, and then final. Steve Young, too. Steve Young. Steve nice. Young. Shouts Young out to nice. Steve Young. Okay, Steve I like nice. that. I like that. So Justin Fields already has himself in the top five running quarterbacks in NFL history. And you know what? I would probably, when you put together the season that he did last year, I think he, you know, it's not really, you know, it's not too hard to agree with him for the most part. He probably is amongst the top five running backs and quarterback, uh, five running quarterbacks in NFL history. He did omit Randall Cunningham. I'll say that. Bry, yeah. who I think um, I would probably still put in the top five. But, you know, n- nevertheless, that's great. It's great to – but that's one of those compliments <laughs> that's a backhanded – right? It's yeah. a backhanded compliment. You're not drafted to be a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, the run-pass option, RPO, that's wonderful. Yes. It's all about throwing the ball downfield. It is about wild plays. It's about chunk plays. It's about having the opportunity to, to move the sticks and to sustain drives and – that it's a throwing league it's a passing league every rule change is made to make it more so so it's great that he has the opportunity and the uh the talent and the physical makeup to be a running quarterback again lalo's runs weren't by design they were you know running for his life trying mm-hmm. to make something out of a broken play but it's all about passing so yes what you know what i need from him is i need him to take his running ability and i need him to translate it something closer to what jalen hurts and lamar jackson can do yes. right where that running is great but it's also the the ability that creates you know so many more passing lanes and it dictates coverage where the defense has to account for everything you're doing as a quarterback which then gives you the mathematical advantage to take advantage of the you know uh, more you know less double coverage from on your receivers and then take advantage of that he needs to process the passing game better he needs to do what Luke Getzey is asking him to do on a play-by-play basis and then if the play breaks down go ahead and tap into that running ability I'm sure there'll be the occasional design run plays from him as well especially when they get near the goal line a la Jalen Hurts and what the Eagles do with him, right? All those rushing touchdowns. But he needs to be better as a passer if the Bears are going to be a better football team. And, you know, I, I like the confidence of 4,000 yards. But, you know, and listen, one other thing I want to tie to bring this in and tie it together. 
it's a, it's a little thing, and you could say, okay, Meller, what you're about to say, I'm not gonna, I don't put any real stock into it. But what I will say, the Madden ratings came out this past week, Bri. And listen, I grew up playing Madden, so I'm, you know, at, at this stage of my life, I, I, you know, I just the ratings. While I grew up watching Madden, there you go. So. Hey, I grew, <laughs> I grew up watching Madden pro, uh, broadcast games, and I also grew up playing the game. But what and I'll I tell also you, grew up watching him coach. That's how. There I, you go. That that I cannot say that I grew up doing, but. <laughs> Um, I've watched plenty of NFL films on John Madden, so I feel like I know his career pretty well. But what I'll say is the Madden ratings on EA Sports, what they do is I, I think they it's not like they just put, you know, numbers out there without any thought put into them. They have people who if they're it's their sole job to create ratings. And honestly, I think most people will tell you if they're not a player in the game who feels dissed because they're, you know, not their ratings not high enough. Most people who play Madden will tell you they generally feel like it's a fairly accurate representation, you know, of what that player is heading into the season. Now, a player can improve and they could show you, you know, that they are better than their, their rating. But heading into the season, Justin Fields rating is a 76 as a quarterback. He, meanwhile, as a running quarterback, his speed is second best in the game behind only Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson is a 91 overall rating, Brian. There you go. And if you just yeah. look at it as basically, hey, this is a grading scale, you know, like like in school, like 90 through 100 for the most part is an A player, right? 80 to, nine, 80 to 89 is basically a B. 76, which Justin Fields is, is essentially a C for a starting, you know, quarterback in the NFL. He needs to be a better passer if they're going to have success. And if he's going to be the guy that the Bears build their franchise around and give a long-term deal to. And that's certainly this year is going to go very far into that decision as to whether he, in fact, is a franchise quarterback. And so far, it's not going to be for lack of confidence, as as we've said. <laughs> but uh, we heard from Bear fan Bob what mm-hmm. he would do and incentivize on and off field. And, and that's an idea. I mean, a lot of times you would hope that people would just want to do their job the best way possible. But a lot of times, if you can get people bonus structures or whatever, and there's something to tangible to shoot for and put a little extra money in their pocket, that would work. I, I have an idea of what I would do. Uh, I know a lot of people would have the idea of, well, if I own the team, I'd sell it if I was the McCaskies or the Reinsdorfs or the Ricketts, whatever, because they're unhappy currently. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a thought on that. I hope maybe you do too, but would love to hear from uh, more fans. Whatever team you think needs to be fixed, how would you fix and make it the best on and off the field? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Craig Arch, hang tight. We'll get you up here shortly. Anybody else want to chime in as well? Feel free to give us a call. And Brian answers the Kevin Warren question next on ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN One Thousand. Meller and Hanley hanging out with you till 11 o'clock here on ESPN 1000, talking a little bit Bears ahead of them reporting to training camp this Tuesday, first practice on Wednesday of this week. Let's try Craig, who's in Cary, Illinois, wants to talk a little bit Bears with us. Craig, you're on with Meller and Hanley. What's going on, man? Hey, you guys, before break, we're talking about the stats over the last 30 years and how bad they've been. It would be interesting if you could look at it post-Lovey and see if they've been even more futile without Lovey's wins in there. 
So I would think, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, Bry, that I think it would be pretty clearly that, yes, the Bears as an or I mean, you know, we, we have those numbers. I, yeah, uh, I say we could go pull. I'm going to go to pro football no, reference right here. Oh. Uh, Mark Potash provides them. Uh-huh. In the 10 seasons since Lovey Smith was fired in 2012, the Bears have had just one, count them, one winning season and just two playoff appearances, including 2020, the COVID-19 season, when the 8-8 eight eight Bears snuck in as the extra qualifier in a modified playoff format. Blackhawks had a similar experience when the NHL got both Montreal and the, and, and the Blackhawks in the playoffs of the bubble back in the day. Um, so, you know, that's not good. One winning season in the last 10, uh, two playoff appearances. They are 64 and 98 for a 395 winning percentage in the last 10 seasons. Their worst tenure record since 1969 through 78. And as a young, as a teenager, I lived through those years. Not good. No. Uh, when the franchise was in such bad shape, uh, owner George House ceded day to day control to the Bears, uh, to Jim Finks, who was a terrific uh, GM for the Chicago Bears, and he did that in 1974. So, Papa Bear decided this is not good, and I need fresh eyes and uh, and fresh mind, and he got Jim Finks, and then you got uh, a Super Bowl, and eighty five to eighty eight was pretty good, and then it started going the wrong way again. So, Craig, answer Kevin Warren's question: uh, What would you do if you owned the Bears? What would you do to build the best franchise on the field? Well, I think they're going in the right direction with polls. You finally got somebody who is actually a football person in there and has shown experience instead of rolling the dice every time you hire somebody. So I think they're on the right direction as it is now. And um, hopefully this is a turnaround season to at least get to that plus 500 and make a mark from here on. All right, Craig, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. So Craig's uh, happy. He thinks they're moving in the right direction. I will say that I think this year everything, it, it, this is by no means, uh, I think you can give me, team me up for a thanks, Captain Obvious here, but everything is going to be about what Justin Fields is as a player because y- I don't think Ryan Poles knows exactly yet whether or not they can build around him as their franchise quarterback. You know, they've done everything in their power to give him the assets needed to show that he's capable of this. Now he needs to go do it. And, you know, we again, the running ability is undeniable, but you need to be more consistent in this NFL as a passer if you're going to have success. At least that's what we've seen from around the league. So I think everything is setting up for Justin Fields. What can you do? What can you show this, you know, this front office group um, to make a long-term commitment to you? And if he can do that and prove it this year, then I think everything going forward becomes a lot clearer as to, as to the direction of the franchise. Well, in order to get more, more than 4,000 yards passing, he has to double up his production at this point in, in the first two years. So um, that's a tall order. The offensive line, while it should be improved, it's still, I would say, a middling offensive line. And, and you know, that mm-hmm. might be the best case scenario. Um, he couldn't do everything he wanted to do, Ryan Poles, in the offseason. But he did He did enough to make you feel like they they could surpass seven and a half wins and get to eight or nine. Although, as Mark Potash points out, in the last 10 years since Lovey Smith, uh, the Vegas Vegas would post those preseason win totals, and the Bears would go one eight and one. They they exceeded the total by one time and and matched it one time, and eight times they came up short of what Vegas thought they were you know probably going to do in terms of wins. Yeah, let's try Arch, who's in Evanston, wants to talk a little bit about Bears as well. Arch, you're on with Meller and Hanley. What's going on? Hey guys, love the show. Um, I would do 
first, I do two things. I would make sure I had the right coaching staff around him from an offensive point of view, and I'd have good experienced players who can help him find that balance between being a strategic runner and a passer. I, I don't think he can do both. Just He's just a natural athlete, does a lot of things on instinct, but do they have the experienced players and coach and offensive coaches around him to, to have him develop? Uh, the second thing I do is the value of these teams is incredible. You know, I would work with that fam- the family and say this isn't a slam against the McCaskies. They can they can probably generate with a stadium deal a seven seven to eight billion dollar value for that team. Mm-hmm. That's not even generational wealth. So I would convince them that let's do everything possible strategically uh, with the stadium, with all the deals they're signing, um, to really sell that team and, and and generate some equity. You can you can set up that family for the rest of their lives but you know, with, with that wealth. And then the last comment is, Brian, I always followed your Northwestern coverage. I know it's not, don't want to take us down, but uh, I would love to your, hear your opinion on how you think the local press has, has handled the Northwestern story in the, in the papers. Uh, it's been a fascinating experience, but uh, I always read your coverage when you were uh, covering the Northwestern team. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Arch. Thanks. And we, uh, the, the two weeks ago, we really exhausted uh, show when it came to Northwestern because we were the first ones to be able to address it with the breaking news on Friday and Saturday, and we got the first bite of the apple on Sunday morning from 9 to 11 here on ESPN 1000. Unfortunately, there, there's more you know lawsuits being filed this week. Um, it, it's it's going to take so much digging out of this, this hole and, and the self-inflicted wounds that the uh, Northwestern football and baseball program has put itself in it's um unfortunately people are interested in northwestern for all the wrong reasons right now because it's salacious it's who's running the show you know how could you possibly mishandle um the results of your own investigation and then have to backpedal and the pr hit you're taking and now even your interim head football coach there's conflicts on his resume. Does he have a master's degree or doesn't he? I mean, not that it should matter. But no, but it's little. It's attention to detail. It, it matters because it, it looks like was he trying to pull a fast one or was it just an inadvertent error from people putting together biographies and putting them out there in press releases? I, it's just a bad look all the way around. I mean, you you have to be better than this. You, uh, given what you've just gone through in these last two weeks, and, and it's only going to get worse as. These lawsuits move on if you don't throw a bunch of money at them, make them go away because you don't want any more of the, the details to come out. But it's it's you know it's more than brutal right now. Bra- now. Yeah, Bra- just- I think what we're seeing is based on everything. Uh, the people in charge at Northwestern right now seem like they're ill-equipped to handle this. The yes, fact that it's absolutely it, the fact that it went on as long as it did, and of course, you know, um, things are still coming out. The lawsuits are happening as we speak. It's way too early to draw any grand conclusions, but it's not good. When, you know, your previous, you know, two previous ago, athletic director, you know, Jim Phillips is named in the lawsuit. You know, they sure, everyone's they gonna had, get named as a defendant. Yeah, the, they I, mean, us- the, I mean, and the, in the, in like, you know, uh, Arch asked about the coverage locally. You know, this is unfortunately the state of newspapers and journalism in general is that there's, you know, there's not a lot of outlets out there doing the extensive work that people are 
if you're older, you're used to seeing and reading. And it's unfortunately the kind of the state we're in is it's hard to find good coverage. The, Nor- the Daily Northwestern has been doing the best job, at least initially here. The Athletic has done a great job covering it, but that's not, you know, they're local, but they're they're not local either at the same time. So it's um, it's interesting to see how this plays out. I don't know if we're going to get as much coverage uh, as in, in, in a, a sordid affair of something like this that we would have gotten, you know, in the in, in the 80s and 90s. No, because you used to have people dedicated to those yes. teams, those universities. And what, you know, back when I was just starting out as a beat guy, I covered the Big Ten in Illinois and Northwestern. And I was tr- literally driving around my little Honda Civic from Champaign to Evanston to Bloomington to West Lafayette. I, you know, every day I was somewhere else. The staffs were much larger. I mean, the fact that Dan Reeder was allowed to to put together such an exhaustive, well-written, well-researched piece on Kevin Warren, that used to be taken for granted, that you Correct. allowed your beat people to do deep dives and take whatever time and resources they needed to develop a piece that was certainly worthy to, to put on your front page and, and you, know, you know, splash a great headline on. Mm-hmm. That said, I I think even as decimated as some of our sports staffs are in this city. Um, the, the people still at the Tribune are doing yeoman's work, Sully and Dan and, and Bigsy and some of the other beat people. And I, I as a Sun-Times alum, mm-hmm. am absolutely very impressed at the quality work that the old Bright One puts out on a daily basis for for a paper that was toe-tagged multiple times yes. in the last 20 years. No, so you're right. It, it wasn't going to survive. Uh, you know, it was... People didn't think they would, and they didn't have two nickels to rub together when I was there um, because the ownership was embezzling. But sports journalism, pretty uh, healthy in this town, uh, given the the resources that are put into newspapers in particular. And on a day after uh, Pat Hughes um, was uh, given the uh, Frick Award for at the Hall of Fame for being the wonderful broadcaster he, he is, we are blessed in this town. It, it hasn't been sustained mediocrity. We've had, and, and we have, including on this station with Len and, and Connor McKnight is, is certainly uh, making a name for himself as play-by-play guy. And part. We've had wonderful, great Hall of Fame broadcasters and, mm-hmm. and not mediocre. We've had, you know, for the most part, this city has been blessed with world-class play-by-play and color analysts. And if our only our teams had the same track record as we've had in the booths, uh, whether uh, baseball or up with Jeff and Tom in particular, say, yeah, you could you could add Joniak and Thayer who have been well, at absolutely. it for over twenty I mean, years I, to the station. Jim Jim Durham and and Vincent Liu, who mm-hmm. I you know grew up listening sure. to, and and Jack Brickhouse. Some people didn't care Hawk for Jack, Harrelson. but he was a you know he was a pioneer, and you know maybe not Jim West necessarily, but they're you know for the most part we have been blessed with great great sports coverage uh whether it's broadcast or print in this town and and it's not been sustained mediocrity it's been pretty damn good the one one final point i'll make on northwestern football or just the athletic department in general you know it's the baseball team it's the football team if you read the athletic there's things you know the softball team apparently had uh, has a hazing issue as well uh that seems to run deep the soccer program has had issues they've had you know uh, a detailed accounts of uh, sexual harassment within the cheerleading program their entire athletic department looks rotten brian and honestly i don't expect it to not happen but i think it wouldn't be at all 
a bad idea to just cancel the football season if you're Northwestern. And well, get- when does the conference get involved? When you know, <sighs> by the way, paging the Big Ten, if this house is in such disrepair, when do you say it's time to take a pause and and get involved and 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 get? We still we don't even have the full report no. published, right? We 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 have summaries and we have investigative journalism. But there's no there, there's been no transparency from the university. And now when it, you have lawyers involved, maybe oh. uh, their lawyers are saying we can't be transparent because we have to defend all these of multiple course. lawsuits. But at some point, the Big Ten's going to say you can't. You know, guys are, are in the transfer portal. They're decommitting. Uh, what kind of what kind of team are we having in Northwestern in this season in particular? And I'm with you. Maybe they, someone else needs to come in and say take a time out and figure out what's going on in the next 12 months. You still have assistant coaches on the staff who apparently were involved in the hazing yes. based on some of the accusations. You don't yep. know what's going on. Boo freaking who for the athletic department that they're going to have to answer for some of these questions and they don't want to publicly comment because of the lawsuits. So sorry, but you know what? Then you are not uh, in conjunction with what your goal truly is in keeping students and student athletes safe. Clearly, that is not your number one priority if your number one, your true number one priority is making sure that you protect your assets and your multi-billion dollar endowment because you don't want to pay out for all the past crimes that your athletic department has been accused of and in all likelihood will end up being proven guilty of. So, uh, sorry. Anyway, they, they could go ahead and cancel the season for Northwestern football. I'd be perfectly fine with that and figure out how you actually run a program on the up and up. I digress, though. Let's, uh, Bri, try and uh, turn to a lighter uh, situation here. I do want to touch on a little bit the running back situation in football. What exactly is going to happen? We've got a couple minutes left. We'll do that next here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Sean Graney for producing us this morning. I'm Jeff Meller along with Brian Hanley wrapping things up here on ESPN 1000. All right, Brian. So Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, all were franchise tagged. None of them got a long-term deal done. And that really comes as no surprise. Saquon Barkley has actually suggested that he might actually have to skip the season. He has not signed the franchise tag tender, so he will not be subject to fines for missing camp unless he does, and I don't think he will before the season begins at the very least. So Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, these guys are amongst the best at their position, but of course that position is no longer valued in the NFL. What are your thoughts on the running back position in this league not getting paid? Yeah, I, it's it's amazing that I'm a, we'll go back to our Justin Fields conversation. It's all about throwing the ball now, but mm-hmm. the old three yards in a cloud of dust is not valued, highly valued, and um, it, it's just it, it's just the state you know the, the sign of the times. It's it's a throwing league, it's a numbers league, and every rule, even to the memo two seasons ago, they put out to officials that you could call holding on every play but don't do it because we we want sustained drives we mm-hmm. want between the 20s we want the possibility of points if not in fact points and you don't get that on third and short um, you know every time you want chunk plays you want 25 yard passes to wow people i don't know if there's an easy solution for the position unfortunately the nfl makes it so that 
you know, your best years are as a running back used when you're drafted. With quarterbacks, like we talk about with Justin Fields, it's about development, right? And by the time you hit your free agent year or that franchise tag year, hopefully you're becoming a better player. In the NFL, though, the running backs are used and abused, and by the time they get an opportunity to actually negotiate for a long-term deal, most teams are looking at them with you know one eye closed and yep. skeptical, saying, can you really repeat what you just did in the previous five years um, in this league? Most people don't believe they can. And to that point, most running backs can't. Unfortunately, the tread on the tires is long gone by that point, and it's just a precarious state for that position. I don't know if it ever goes back. All right, that's going to do it for us, Bry. Good news, Pedro Grafal, a man of his word. Eloy Jimenez is in the starting lineup today as designated hitter. Wrong. Plenty more White Sox coverage coming your way at 1230 with your pregame. I'm Jeff Miller. He's Brian Hanley. Thanks for listening, folks.